Hello, welcome to Season 2, Episode 6. It's the Thanksgiving episode, and I hope you're all stuffed like I am. That was a little bit of Van Halen, starting off with a tribute to uh, the guitarist Eddie Van Halen, who was for for someone of my age, Van Halen was was especially the David Lee Roth version. Probably a little bit younger than me. It's the Sammy Hager version, but the the David Lee Roth Van Halen was pretty impactful album, 1984, and and then the ones I think that was the popular one. And at least for me, I started to listen to that, and then I went back and and went forward and and really quite a guitarist and uh, sad to see him go at 65 which back when i was listening to van halen i probably would have said was old but now i realize he's quite young <laughs> yeah did you ever listen to van halen Dylan? i don't know you know you, you must know jump like the da 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 yeah da, that one yeah, yeah yeah i love that song yeah and then hot for teacher yeah yeah i know hot for teacher yeah yeah they had some they had some classics yeah. Alrighty. Well, let's. Uh, I'm bad bands on it. What's that? You know, I, I said I'm bad at putting songs to bands. Right. Yeah. Okay. Moving. Moving into. Though, you said we said Happy Thanksgiving, but we do have an international audience, and it's not not Thanksgiving for everybody. Like Americans, well, and your your our European audience, they don't have Thanksgiving, and in America, they have it on the wrong day. Yes, that is true. So. Happy Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah. To our Americans, happy Sunday. You have to go to work tomorrow. You suck. Haha. <laughs> yeah, but they get four days for their Thanksgiving. What? Yeah, they, their Thanksgiving is on a Thursday, and Friday is a holiday, too. And then Saturday, Sunday. Oh, my God. Yeah, so they do it upright. Well, I guess. And the Friday's Black Friday. The Friday to... of Thanksgiving is Black Friday, right? Oh, yeah. 
that's probably of course they've centered their holiday around a sale at a store no wonder they do it at the wrong day sale at every store i don't know which came yeah, first sale. i don't know what came first black friday or well i'm sure thanksgiving came first but i don't know when black friday sort of came along and became such a big deal as it is now I don't know either. I wouldn't be surprised if they moved Thanksgiving to be next to Black Friday. Uh, yeah, I, I think they probably just popped Black Friday in there since it was a, you know, they were taking four days anyway, might as well shop on the day in between. It was probably yeah, it was probably invented by a company. Yeah, probably. Everything in America was invented by a company. Their yeah. government was invented by a company. The uh, All I know is it's too close to Christmas. The Thanksgiving is too close to Christmas. It's holidays too close together that's why they do it so they can shop get their christmas shopping done in november and then you're on cruise control till christmas yeah but then you don't you don't get any days off in october yeah that's true i don't know if they have any holidays in october or not but no but they get labor day and then it's straight to straight straight through till november but only in certain provinces do do we get holidays in october november up here yeah that's ridiculous though everyone should have november yeah, although they say they want, the, there's more participation if the from at least from the kids that are trying to learn if they are in school than if they are at home. Oh yeah, the kids can go to school. I just don't want to have to go to work. I'm oh, out of school okay. now. So I don't care enough. about that. <laughs> Fair <laughs> give, enough. Give parents a true holiday. Send their kids to school, but they get the day off work. But what about the parents that are teachers? Ah, who cares? <laughs> just send the kids with no supervision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kids run the school day. <laughs> All right, moving into one that I didn't, I couldn't decide. I think it's a good time and a bad time. I'm going to put it in the good times because of because uh, of the results, but because yeah, the, of the it outcome, gone differently, definitely wouldn't have been a good yeah. time. So the FBI fo- foiled a plot to kidnap the Michigan governor. Thirteen people were arrested. Seven of them were associated with the Wolverine Watchmen Militia Group. Now, if listen, I, I don't know if you necessarily need militia anymore. I think at one point it was necessary in, in the United States history. We we're probably beyond it. But if you're going to have one, I, I don't think the Wolverine Watchmen is the name you want to go with. <laughs> I have to say, as soon as you're plotting to uh, overthrow the government, you're not a militia group. You're a domestic terrorist organization. Yeah, well, they're arrested, but but Wolverine watch like is this they were, unless they were named before the X Men? <laughs> it's a bad name. It's like it's a bunch of che- teenage boys or something. They um, do they all run around with big fake claws and stuff on their on their knuckles? Probably, uh, if you read some of the texts they were sending to each other and some of the statements and stuff, you can tell there wasn't a lot of intelligence in uh, in any of them. Well, it was a good thing that uh, they managed to foil the plot, and Trump came out shortly after and was just very, very, I'm going to say mean, for lack of a better word, towards towards the governor. I can't remember her name. I should have written it down. Gretchen Whitmer. Yes, Gretchen. That's right. She was uh, strongly considered as a VP choice for Biden. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh. They. Uh, she became something of a national figure through all the controversy in Michigan, which she has a lot of support in Michigan, but the people who don't support her very aggressively don't support her. Right. She's, uh, I have to, I, I do wonder 
Would they have been so ballsy if she'd been a man? Like, is there an element of sexism here? I would, I would say likely, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the the it's difficult to say. There definitely are people that don't wear masks and want the states to open that are doing this, right? So yeah, maybe they would have tried if it was a guy, but I I think probably not. Yeah, I. I it, maybe it's just because of my very low opinion of these people already, but it feels like there must be. Yeah. Well, off the Wolverine Watchmen militia group. I can't say that name without laughing. And on to another state. This is it's South Carolina, I believe, where Lindsey Graham yeah. runs, right? It the, is indeed. The candidate, the Democratic candidate, Jamie Harrison, that's running against Lindsey Graham in South Carolina just had the biggest fundraising quarter by any Senate candidate ever. Now, this is really, I mean, it's good news. Good news for him. He can advertise. He can get get his platform out there. But it's really only good news if it translates into votes. Because seeing Lindsey Graham lose would really make me happy. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the problem with people when you're running against a incumbent senator who is very well nationally known because Amy McGrath is the Democratic candidate running against Mitch McConnell in Kentucky. And she is out fundraising him like crazy, um, but she's going to lose. Like the polls just aren't reflecting that. And that's because she's getting donations from Democrats around the world. I'm sorry, not around the world, around the country, around the United States. Yeah, I was going to say, who who outside of the U.S. is giving her money? No, no, no. That's, that's probably the, uh, illegal. Yeah, it most definitely is. Even, you know, when Susan Collins voted to confirm Brett Kavanaugh, people from all across the country donated to whoever runs against her. Like, it wasn't even announced that it was going to be uh, the candidate is now Sarah Gideon. But, like, so she just came in to a whole bunch of money, and it wasn't just Maine. And that's the problem with, with you know, when, when they're very unpopular nationally, you get a whole bunch of money donated to your to yourself if you're running against someone unpopular nationally, but that doesn't necessarily translate into votes. Votes, especially in your state, yeah. Yeah, but I will say that South Carolina is not Kentucky, and it is actually closer than it should be. Like, closer than anyone thought it was going to be. Well, good luck to them. So, yeah. Yeah, good luck, Jamie Harrison. Did you hear what Lindsey Graham said in one of their debates? Maybe. <laughs> he said recently they had a... Uh, well, actually, it wasn't a debate. Both of them had, like, 30-minute speaking segments because Jamie Harrison said that he would only do a virtual debate after Lindsey Graham was exposed to COVID at the White House. And he said... I'm not going to put politics above the health and safety of myself and my family. And Lindsey Graham flat out refused to do a virtual debate. So they just, they didn't debate. And then they just let Lindsey Graham speak for 30 minutes and Jamie Harrison speak for 30 minutes or something like that. But within that, Lindsey Graham said that a black person can go anywhere in the state as long as they're conservative. How do you tell? Uh, what does well, that even it's, mean? It's it's a It's a bit of a... That must be out of context. There must be more around that. Yeah, yeah. There is, there is a little bit. It, it, that is like a verbatim quote, but around that, he, he's talking about like social mobility. He's like essentially saying a black person can be a senator 
in South Carolina, as long as they're conservative. And and presumably he also meant, you know, like, I don't know, like, you can achieve any aspirations you want if you're black in South Carolina, if you're conservative. In that case, but, yeah, then I go back to how, well, obviously if you're running for office, you know, because you pick a side, but in any other context, how do you know if the person's conservative or not? Well, and also, why... Do they have name tags in South Carolina? Say, isn't he Isn't he essentially saying that South Carolinans are racist-ish? Like, because what about white liberals? Like, they're not limited. White liberals can go anywhere, but black liberals can't go anywhere? I don't know. I, I, again, I didn't hear it, so you'd ha- it's, it depends. I don't know what he said or what it meant. Well, I have an idea of what he meant, but, uh, I mean, just... Just an idiotic thing to say. Yeah, especially, I mean, always, always. But you'd think you'd be more aware of these racial issues when you're running against somebody who's black. Yeah, who apparently can't win because he's not a conservative. Yeah, but he's still out fundraising Lindsey Graham like crazy and catching up to him in the polls. Yeah, I heard last I heard it was neck and neck pretty much. Yeah. Hey, you got some good times? Yeah, speaking of polls, last, well, I guess it was this morning, 12.01 this morning, an A-plus rated pollster in the U.S., which was the most accurate poll from 2016, gave Joe Biden a 12-point lead over Donald Trump, which is way more than Clinton ever had at her height. And if it translated, and again, this is if the election were held today, if this was 100% true, and translated directly into votes, Joe Biden would get almost 300 vote electoral college votes more than Donald Trump at 412 and would be the largest Democratic victory since, I want to say, 1964. Wow. Joe Biden is, is looking easily on track to beat even Obama's 2008 numbers. Yeah, well, to be fair, you know, Obama had a real opponent. Yeah, yeah, no. I don't think this is Joe Biden at all. Like, this is not a pro-Joe Biden vote. Nobody's so excited to go out to vote for Joe Biden. This is very much a anti-Trump vote. And I think that, you know, I think Joe Biden would have lost to John McCain and Mitt Romney, depending on the year, you know, if they're, depending on the year. Yeah, well, um, John, John McCain's dead now, so he'd be, he probably wouldn't run much of a campaign. Yes, I, I but, was thinking in But Joe Biden still might lose. Yes. Well, here's the. Th- I mean, if he loses, it's going to be because he's because Donald Trump steals the no, election. No, I, I meant I meant to a dead John McCain. Oh, <laughs> honestly, we'll see. Um, and this election, I still, I, I don't. I think, I think there's a a base from from Trump that doesn't get supported, that doesn't get reported in polls. I also think that if it's there's going to be, I, I just don't, I just don't believe that this election is going to be free and fair well i mean maybe not could not could be not but i think i mean just the way things are looking joe biden's doing so well and there's plenty of time for things to change but barring any big surprises and the way they're going you were, I, you were just I frozen there for how second. joe biden would lose sorry you were just frozen there for a minute no uh barring any big surprises well, yeah barring any big surprises i don't see how joe biden could lose in a fair election. That's probably true at this point, but I think it'll be closer than the polls are stating. I don't know. I hope People I'm wrong. Say, I mean, I, I I think Joe Biden will win the election, 
I don't necessarily think, I don't mean he'll be president. The Supreme Court might then hand the election to Donald Trump on some trumped up nonsense. But we'll see. We'll see. I, 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 the polls are, they're not the polls from 2016. They've been very, they've been much more refined since then. We saw the trends in, in 2018, the midterms, when the Democrats swept the House uh, races and uh, won in counties they'd never won in in decades. And we see them winning in Senate races that they haven't held in decades, like Arizona. We see states that should not be competitive becoming competitive, like Georgia and South Carolina and Kansas and Iowa. Like, just up and down the ballot, you see Democrats doing very well. And uh, I think the polls are, are more accurate than... I, I, I think it's clear. I think the polls are more accurate than you do. I'll see. Because <laughs> the polls weren't that far off in, in 2016. They were just reported very differently. Yeah. Because nobody took Donald Trump seriously. But they take him seriously now. True enough. Moving on to some bad... Do you have some bad times that this is talking about free and fair elections? Yeah, talking about free and fair elections. Texas, the governor of Texas, recently said that every county could only have one absentee ballot drop-off box. Normally they have multiple, but he said, you know, every county can only have one. And some of the counties in Texas are very large, like our, like how some of our ridings are very large. Yeah, um, so how do you get to it? Yeah, so it's difficult to get to it. And then also, even if it's a small one, the population's not necessarily that much smaller, so you're being made to, to wait in line forever. But yesterday... The, a federal court came out and said that you can't do that. You have to allow counties to have multiple ballot boxes. And it was like, woohoo, yay. But then today, uh, another court said, no, keep it to one while we appeal the case. Because the government of Texas is appealing the case, and the court said, until we hear this, keep it to one. So they're really being jerked around. And this is coming at a point where, you know, early voting is starting soon. And the government of Texas is working really hard just to try to keep it to one ballot box per county. And, uh, you know, coincidentally, Biden is only behind in Texas by one point and has been it's been a very close race for a long time now. There have been a few weeks where Biden was actually leading Trump by by like half a point in Texas. And it's getting very close. And I'm sure that has absolutely nothing to do with the governor's decision. I can't believe that that's legal. I, I can't. I can't believe that that is. It's so obviously trying to manipulate the results. I cannot believe that it's legal. Like there should be, you know, you need one for every so many people or every so many kilometers or miles, I guess, in the U.S. How, <laughs> how is it legal just to have one in a you know an area the size of some states? Well, well, because there are no laws stating how many that you have to have per person. It just says that a person has to be able to vote technically. And so, yeah, you, you can just, and it's but if the they, government of Texas. So they're making it the law that one is fine. But it's, it's clearly not. If you don't have a car and you, and you live, you know, 50 miles, but 20 miles away from the from the ballot box i mean unless you have a family of marathon runners you can't get to it well well this is only uh for absentee ballots and mail-in ballots well it's a, it's okay. a drop well, if, you're, off, so... if you're mailing it in what difference does it make um, there's post office I, I boxes all over the place i'm not 100 percent sure i know it's not a regular ballot box but it's um you know you read these american articles are 
articles and sometimes it just doesn't explain 100% because it assumes you're American and you know what you're doing. Um, I see. But their their thing is so confused. It's it's it, All it said was an absentee ballot drop-off box. I don't know why you can't just mail it in, but presumably you can't. Otherwise, why would you even have these special drop-off boxes if you're just going <laughs> to mail it in? Yeah. Um, but... Anyway, it, who knows what's going to happen. It, it really sucks for the people of Texas because this is obvious voter suppression. Um, and it uh, it's a shame. It's a shame that they, they can get away with this. Absolutely. But yeah, so we'll see. It's being appealed. But yeah, we'll see. They probably won't hear the appeal till after the election. Yeah, probably not. In which case, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> but anyway, moving into to Canada... There was a BC, so BC is in an election. I think we've talked about that and, you know, kind of said that the NDP did the Greens dirty. But uh, the BC Liberals, who are the conservative party in BC, um, oddly enough, are in hot water right now because one of their candidates was in a leaked video is caught on Zoom talking to some other BC Liberal candidates in a sort of Zoom retirement party for uh, a current MLA who's not running again. And this woman who is who is running in one of the ridings that is currently held by a NDP MLA named, and I might be butchering this, but I believe her name is Bowen Ma, B-O-W-I-N-N-M-A. And so this is this, uh, this woman is running against incumbent Bowen Ma. And in this video, the BC Liberal candidate, whose name I can't remember, but is also a woman, is heard and, and seen because it's a video of a zoom call mocking Bowen Ma and essentially insinuating that she this Bowen Ma woman uses her physical attractiveness to get her way with people and it's sort of being seen as um, a rather sexist attack and it, in a way it is and it, why it's interesting to hear coming from another woman but it is it does seem to be the kind of comments that you know might might stop a woman from considering running for office and what's really getting the party in hot water is that the leader of the liberal party was on this zoom call and he along with the other six or seven mlas and candidates are are having a great good hoot and laugh over it all it's just not very impressive which one of them recorded it yeah uh th- we don't know it's anonymous uh, who knows who recorded it but the person who submitted it said that they normally support the bc liberals but they felt that this kind of behavior needed to be exposed because it keeps women out of politics yeah i i guess it does i mean it would somehow be worse i guess if it was a guy saying it like because it was a woman saying it uh, are you sexist against your own sex Oh, sure, you can be. You can be, but, I mean, I was she serious? I mean, I don't know. I didn't see the video. I guess you got to be pretty careful around these things. The, the the odd thing is, if it wasn't for COVID, it would have been in an office somewhere, and it would have never come out. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I wish I could remember exactly what she said. I, I just, I should have written it down, but I completely, completely forgot. In the age of, maybe it's a bigger deal than it should be. In the age of social media, who knows? And I don't know the. I mean, is the was the was Bowen Ma offended? Has she come out and said anything? I think she she responded in like a in a politician's way, where you know, you kind of she kind of came out and said that uh, women women of of 
all stripes and women of color face this every day and this kind of thing can stop a woman from entering politics you know disappointed by the behavior but but didn't come out and you know she she wasn't like the first one to come out and say i'm offended by this or anything like that well i i mean i don't i'd need to look into it farther i don't know but i i don't i don't uh i don't like being offended for people if she's not offended then you know why should the rest of us yeah. be but if if she is then yeah. then yeah so you know that was it was a step too far but on the other you know there's got to be well I, like i don't even know what we're talking about here so i really shouldn't shouldn't comment i didn't see the video in the first place so i don't know what what she said you know because there's I've, there's light-hearted fun and then there's serious yeah. indiscretions so here i've pulled up i pulled up the uh, an article and it has some quotes the bc liberal woman's name was uh well her last name is thorthwaite and she said that ma is a very pretty lady and she knows that she's got it and she knows how to get ralph and ralph is the retiring um bc mla who they were who they were virtually roasting knows how to get ralph going ralph would be sitting on the middle of the couch and bowen would be would be right up, right there, and cuddling, 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 a little bit of cleavage there, and Ralph would be enthralled. I go to an event, and one of them was the Capilano University Student Union luncheon, and both Bo and Ma and Ralph were stuck on the couch together, very, very close together for almost the entire time. And that's that's all it, it offers up in the article without watching the video. Probably best to steer clear of other people's parties... Like, like if it, if you're roasting somebody and you're doing it with somebody within your own party, like you're making fun of two people that are there, yeah. where it maybe crosses the line is where you're talking about, about someone who, who isn't on your team, like is, is not part of your inner circle, so it's no longer roasting, it's making fun of. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I think I think what, what really pushes it over the line to offensive, and maybe this is okay between like, you know, two women who are friends, but you know, bringing bringing anybody's cleavage into the conversation like is that necessary? Yeah, I, I like. I, are they friends? We don't know if they're friends or not, do we? Or they are not friends. Yeah. They're in different parties, but that doesn't mean they aren't friends. I don't see why they. You're right. It doesn't. I think if they were friends, maybe Bo and Ma would have come out and said like, "Hey guys, it's no big deal." I also don't see why they would really know each other that well. I mean, yeah, they're going to the same events, but well, the BC Liberal Party uh, woman, Thorthwaite, uh, is not an MLA. She's just a candidate, so they don't work together. So I imagine they don't see each other really often enough to have developed a friendship. And I really think that, you know, if they were friends, Bo and Ma might come out and, and say something. It's like, hey, guys, it's okay. We tease each other like this all the time. Yeah, probably. And now this woman is running against Bo and Ma in her writing? No, no. Uh, someone else. No. Oh. I'm I'm not, not 100% sure who yeah. who Owen, who either of them are running it's probably against. not that important yeah probably not all right well i'll start off with some some bad covid news is there good covid news i guess there could be eventually but not yet sorry sorry to cut you off yeah. i just want to correct myself i was wrong this jane thorthwaite woman is currently an mla so they could have had a friendship but i maintain that it seems like Bowen ma would have then defended her friend if they did Probably. I saw the active COVID cases in Edmonton's jumped up to 894 this week. It's probably more by now. Yeah, it's I, I, I don't really track it, honestly, but I, I know it's going up everywhere, and uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, well, you know, be careful out there. That's from Hill Street yeah. Blues. Oh. <laughs> 
And there was a there's a wildfire called the Devil's Head Wild Wildfire that's burning out of control just west of Calgary. And as of this past Wednesday was 3624 acres, sorry, hectares in size. They traced it back to it was started by an abandoned campfire. So it just, you uh, know, things like that, you got to be careful. There's enough natural reasons for these fires with lightning and whatnot and and dry timber that explodes but you know yeah. we don't need we don't need people not putting their fires out in when they're when they're camping or something so just you know what's smoky the bear says make sure your fire's Only out you can prevent forest fires that's right that's what he says <laughs> the texas supreme court has ruled that harris county which is the biggest county in texas cannot mail out applications for absentee ballots to all of its 2.4 million registered voters. They need to they need to ask for them. Whereas they were just going to... And this is just mail out the application for absentee. It's not sending an absentee ballot. It's an application for absentee ballots. So there's no harm in mailing it out other than postal costs. But another Texas suppression. Yeah, it's ridiculous and it's so blatant. You know, Texas is one of the few states that fear of getting COVID-19 is not a valid reason to request a a mail-in or absentee ballot. Yeah, that feels like that should be a pretty valid reason. I mean, especially if you have any sort of underlying condition or are older. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, again, I have to say, I think it's it's a direct ploy to try to stop Democrats from voting. But yeah, I guess. But I would think older people in Texas are probably Republicans, for the most part. Yes, and poll after poll shows that Republicans take COVID-19 way less seriously than Democrats. Oh, so you just think they'll just go out and vote? I think they will. Or if they don't, it still won't matter that the people who do go out and vote will still, the majority will be the Republicans. Even if it creates a lower voter turnout than normal because the old people don't go, they don't need them to go if it's just going to be Republicans turning out anyway of any age. Yeah, although I do think I that that's a pretty solid base in Texas. I think you know the the older I think the younger the younger people there are more likely to be Democrat. Yes, probably, but and maybe they'd be willing to risk COVID, but you know, maybe older Democrats, not so much. And then you get younger up to older Republicans who are more willing and they're just going to overrun because the you get a strong young base of Democrats. Then you get the but then the middle aged and the older Democrats don't turn out and, and the young base is not enough. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess we'll see soon enough. It's going to be a it's yeah. going to be an interesting election. Absolutely. The Ontario, when I, I wrote I wrote a note in here on, I believe it was Wednesday, where I said Ontario hits an all-time high of 800 COVID cases. But Friday, we topped it. Good for us. Congratulations. 939 new cases in a day. More tests, but higher positive percentages, Ford said uh, in his update. Some, some communities testing as high as 10% positive. Now... That's obviously not the whole community. It's of the people that go get tested. So that means, you know, you have you have 100 people that think they have COVID and 10 of them do. So mm-hmm. it's not, you don't go get a test if you think you're healthy. So that's a miss, a little bit misleading stat, but 
but it's still it's high so they gotta gotta get this under control now since then ford has put restrictions in place in the four key areas uh actually it might be three i can't i don't know if windsor's part of this or not but definitely toronto ottawa and peel have restrictions for as far as dining and and like indoor indoor dining gyms sports indoor sports they're all being shut down again but you know it's it's one thing to people don't stay in their region you know yeah if you yeah, live in if you live in peel and you want to go out for dinner you can just pop up to georgetown it's not that far and you're in a different region yeah yeah absolutely it's 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 kind of ineffective it really needs to be at least in the south it really needs to be the entire province or or there's no point well we'll see it's how it seemed to have helped the cases dropped down a little bit saturday so we'll see what happens over the next week hopefully it goes down and it works uh, hopefully more more than anything hopefully the people in those areas get the message that this is serious and they treat it as such yeah back to the u.s there's a case in the supreme court at the moment three muslim men are suing the fbi because the fbi asked them to be spies and they said no because they said no they were put on the no-fly list and other various things that the u.s can do when you're muslim uh the justices discussing the case the justices on the court are discussing the case now and justice Brett Kavanaugh, our good buddy Brett, said his focus was was on the words that weren't in the statute. I think. What does that mean? I think. Don't you think it should be what is in the statute that's important? What what statute? Whatever statute they're arguing. I don't. I don't know the. I don't know American law enough. So whatever, whatever part of law they are arguing was violated, which was, you know, because they didn't spy for them. They were obviously they're trustworthy. They wanted them to be spies, or maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Either way, they didn't do it. But whatever statute they're arguing, he said he was his focus was on the words that weren't there. I just thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how Republicans are often constitutional originalist, meaning that it is exactly what is written in the Constitution, and there's no other interpretation other than word for word what is written, as long as it benefits them. But then, as soon as they maybe need to be a little bit racist, they're like, "Oh, but what? Let's read between the lines." Yeah, and it was written a long time ago. I think as we evolve as a society, laws have to evolve. Yeah, and that's the living, in the U.S., that's called the living constitutionalist argument. Antonin Scalia, the famed justice who died, and then um, he was a famous constitutional originalist, and Merrick Garland was supposed to replace him. He once said that the living constitutionalist is always a happy man because the Constitution means whatever he needs it to. Or something along those lines. Yeah. But, but that really just seems to be what they're doing right now in this, whatever this statute is. Which yeah. is not, I'm sure, not part of the Constitution, but, you know, still, the law is the law. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't really look into it that much. I just saw that quote and thought it was funny. I, I, just, <laughs> I mean, why are you looking at words that aren't there? And it, it could be, uh, I, I don't know what it could be. I'm not a lawyer, but it just struck me as funny. I think all the media should just pretend Brett Kavanaugh doesn't exist for his entire implementation on the Supreme Court, like until he dies. <laughs> just ignore him. But he still, yeah, just like, he still gets a vote, only, though. Yeah, but we can just say there's only eight Supreme Court justices and then just make up excuses every time it's like a tie or whatever. Yeah. 
the Kentucky Attorney General is making his move to keep the proceedings and testimony in the Brianna Brianna Tyler case a secret. Last month, the grand jury's decision not to charge any officers for the shooting and killing of Brianna Taylor in her home during a botched raid was, well, obviously met with quite a bit of anger. An anonymous grand juror on the case has tried to force the release of the readings, transcripts, and reports in the grand jury so that the truth may prevail, which I think they should. I don't think this should be done in secret, but Daniel Cameron, who's the attorney general there, who led the investigation and presented the case to the grand jury, is not going to allow that. I filed a motion this past Wednesday, argued that grand juries must operate secretly to protect the people involved. So the 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 oral arguments well, were set don't for Thursday. The names. What's that? You can do that. Just don't release the names of the jurors. Like redact all of that and release the rest of it. Yeah, I don't know. No. Yeah, I don't know why you'd release the jurors' names. But yeah, I think I think if it's done in secret, there's be a, there'll be a lot more conspiracy theories going around and and a lot more thinking that you know it's just another listen maybe it was done 100 percent fairly and they found you know that the the outcome was the proper one according to the law that could be i don't know and neither does anybody else because they aren't putting the proceedings and transcripts open to the public so everybody assumes it was not above board and trying to keep it secret kind of reinforces that presumption yeah absolutely i was just doing some googling right now because i was like i'm surprised at this because i know for a fact that the governor of kentucky is a democrat named andy Bashir, and i thought this is weird that the an appointee of the democratic governor is like is doing this like it must be coming from the governor's office and I don't know. I just generally expect Democrats to read the room vet better. But no, the attorney general is a Republican because it is a separate elected position. And I find that strange because as a rule, I always think more democracy is the better option. But also, I think appointees do have their place because you want your executive on your team. Branch. Yeah, you you want to be working together. If the attorney general of a state and the governor of the state are always at odds, is anything really getting done? Yeah. Governor These could pass are... a law and then the attorney general could take it to court to try to overturn it. Yeah, exactly. Like and and the the attorney general in Tucky serves as the state's chief prosecutor. What if the governor wants to sue something or somebody or the federal government, but the attorney general doesn't? Does the attorney general have the authority over that over the governor? And if so, what the hell's the point of the governor then? If the attorney general, when it comes to the legal side of things, can just say, no, screw you. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. It's, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, yeah, obviously don't expect you to, but it just seems a bit stupid to me. I just, I just did some Googling as well. Grand jury proceedings are secret. No judge is present. The proceedings are led by a prosecutor. So yeah, they're always, no, that doesn't surprise me. They're always secret. Yeah. I'm, 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 I think he, the attorney general must be arguing that if you release it, then it's not secret. But, I mean, I feel like you can release the conversations, redact the information that needs to be redacted, like names and places, and, uh, and then we see what's what. Maybe, but if they're always secret. I thought this was something special that they were keeping it secret, but they're always secret. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a fine argument 
for the case of keeping it secret, but this is not this is also not exactly, you know, every other case. Uh, yeah, like yeah. again, read the room. <laughs> There's a kind of hush all over the world. Tonight all over the world. You can hear the sounds all over the world. I got to say most of mine are are fairly close to home except for this one. I just got to say, did you know the Pope did a TED talk? I didn't know that. He did. I don't know if he's like, you know, a lot of the TED talks are quite funny. They have a an element of humor. And I'm wondering if the Pope cracks some jokes. Made some jokes? Well, he's up there. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I Were they in English? The TED talk? I don't, I don't know if it's I don't even know if there's more than one. I know he did at least one. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to assume English, although I don't know why. Maybe it's Italian. Maybe it's Latin. I, I don't know. I, I doubt it was Latin. I don't think anyone can drink. Or drink. Sorry, I just read something. I don't think anyone can speak Latin. The Pope can, can't he? No, no. Latin's definitely a dead language. It's not a prerequisite? N- no. I don't know that anyone knows how to speak Latin. I... I'm sure there's I people. I could be totally wrong about this. There are people that know how to speak Latin. At least you need to be able to read the shields. Every country's shield is Lat- has Latin on it, pretty much. Well, maybe not every country, but you know the English, the ones that were that were taken over. But like our country, our shield is Latin on it. Maybe, maybe they do. Maybe he speaks Latin. Uh yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think he does speak Latin because a lot of the original Bible stuff was written in Latin, so that makes sense. Yeah. All right. It's fine. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, if if you have a, sl- a day where you're looking to kill 20 minutes, sit down and have a listen to the, the Pope TED Talk. I, I might. I might. Just just to see what it's like. See if he's up there does, making jokes, does, being funny. Does it say what's on? Like, what is he talking about I'm exactly? A, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Christianity. But, I mean, it could be, like, yeah, it could be, but, I mean, for all we know, it could be abortion. I don't think it's divorce or... Well, it could be. I guess he could talk, like, anti. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it's about. I have no uh, no information about this other than the fact that he did one. That's fascinating. That's interesting. In the U.S., in Florida, all the weird things happen in Florida. The Burmese python is now a uh, invasive species in the Everglades. So Florida has... Uh, python hunters and these are people that they they pay like a minimum wage for 10 hours a day plus okay plus they get 50 bucks for each python under four feet and then 25 dollars more for each additional foot above four feet so there's a couple of hunters ryan osburns and kevin pavildis i'm probably saying their names wrong are python hunters in the u.s that's what they do i personally i i I don't. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't, because <laughs> these are pretty big snakes, right? Yeah. So they caught a snake. What did you just do? I don't know. Okay, it's back. They caught a snake. Sorry, I'm trying to read read my notes, and all of a sudden it disappeared in my my column. I have a column, and Dylan has a column, and all of a sudden my column became infinitely thin, <laughs> and I couldn't read anything. I annexed the rest of your column. You were it's bored with the, You were bored with the Python story. <laughs> so so the these 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 burmese pythons are are there's no natural predators they're an invasive species they're eating they're eating this is what they're 
They says they're causing serious harm and eating native wildlife such as possum, rabbits, deer, and bobcats. <laughs> so that gives you an idea of the size of these snakes. I mean, they're constrictors, right? So they, but still, to eat a bobcat, you gotta, you gotta be able to open wide. Same with a deer. That's, yeah, that's that's commitment. So, this these guys caught a snake that they believe is gonna break the record of eighteen point eight feet. That's a that's long ridiculous. snake. That is a big snake. Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be yeah. uh, like a twenty foot snake. So say this is at an eighteen point eight foot snake. These guys are getting just a little over four hundred bucks or two hundred bucks each. And to me, that is not worth it. You bring in an eighteen foot snake, risk your life capturing an eighteen foot snake, and somebody pays you two hundred bucks each. It's yeah. crazy. Crazy. I wouldn't do it. I, I would not go down. I'm not going to go be a Burmese python hunter in the Everglades. Yeah, I I might do it. No, I mean, I wouldn't, but I might be more understanding if it was 400 bucks each. Four, I'd need it. If I, if I bring in an 18-foot stake, I want a grand myself. <laughs> At least, right? At least. Yeah. And I, I got to be honest. If I, snake, if I see an 18-foot snake, if I see an 18-foot snake, I'm hightailing it the other way. <laughs> These guys run in and grab it by the tail. He said it was super strong, like he had to brace himself to try to make like to pull it in and capture it. Well, yeah, constrictors. I just maybe a taser or something. I wonder if you could tase an eighteen foot snake. I would get really worried that you're just gonna piss it off. <laughs> Probably. Anyway, if if those those that have lost their lost their gig during this COVID, they're looking for looking for python hunters in the state of Florida. Plus, you, you know, I'm sure this conversation is exactly what mom was thinking of when she said less Trump. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's not about Trump at all. Yeah. Yeah. Happy there, mom. We're not talking about Trump. It's just 18 foot snakes. More than that. Uh, they, they have to weigh it. Maybe I'll next, uh, next podcast, I'll see if they've done the actual official weigh in and length. Well, not weigh in, but measurement. A, a light aircraft carrying almost a ton of cocaine crashed in central Mexico after a high-speed airborne chase with authorities. The, the two people aboard died. I don't know from the plane crash or from the OD, from all the coke that was in the plane when they went down that got spewed everywhere. So the Mexican military helicopters intercepted the plane in Mexican airspace and pursued it until it ran out of fuel and crashed. The plane was loaded with about 400 kilos of cocaine. That's a lot of cocaine. It is. It is indeed. So it's, it's good that that's off the, or not able to go on to the streets. Uh-huh. And we dive right into TNT. I'll, I'll start with my Trudeau, and once again, nothing to do with Trudeau, but Canadian politics, so I shoved it in there. In Prince Edward Island, for all of our uh, listeners who I know are just fascinated by the politics of Prince Edward Island. They have a a by-election coming up that is going to be quite telling, I think, of where the province currently stands because it was a riding that was won by the Liberals in their last provincial election, and now the Liberals standing down. The Greens came in a close second, and the Conservatives were in third. But it's a, it's a close one to watch because... The Greens, you know, like federally, they were hoping that the Green strongholds in Charlottesville would, would translate into federal seat, but that happened. 
which was a bit of a disappointment. So uh, the Greens, who are the official opposition in Prince Edward Island right now, are looking to expand their base a little bit more, test their support. If they can pick up this seat, they have even more power in the legislature as the official opposition in a minority government and, and see if, you know, their pop, the popularity in which they entered their last provincial election, where it was actually thought the Greens might win government, is still holding through. It's a test for the Liberals because the Liberals were in government before the last election and they were decimated. The Premier lost his own seat. So if the Liberals can try to win it back, it's it's uh, to see, you know, if they still have that base there and if they're trying to win back support. And if the Conservatives manage to win it, then the Conservatives put themselves in majority territory, wow. which, you know, any government would want. So a hotbed, hotbed by-election in Prince Edward Island politics, everybody wants it, hotly contested seat. Yeah. Um, and the, the, if, the PEI politicians, they have a lot to do. They have to decide on the toll for the bridge to get to PEI and how many potatoes to dig up this year. Yeah, exactly. And how much? The, and the and the price of all the Anne of Green Gables merchandise. I think they set that. <laughs> they nationalized Anne of Green Gables okay. uh, back in the nineties, and now that's what this what they do. Okay. But yeah, that's it's. I, I find it interesting to watch because I, I find it interesting that the Greens are are one of the biggest parties in PEI, and if we might see a Green government there one day. And speaking of the Greens. Uh, obviously, we talked about last week, Annamie Paul, leader of the Green Party, running in Toronto Centre by-election. Did we discuss the the leader's courtesy sort of uh, mm. shtick that's going on? No, I don't think so. Well, the uh, there is a parliamentary custom where the other parties won't run a candidate in an election where the leader of a party is trying to get into parliament. And it's called the leader's courtesy. Now, the exact is sort this, of definition... Do you, mean, do you mean in a by-election? Yes, yes. If, if a party is getting a new leader in the middle of a parliamentary session and they select somebody who doesn't currently hold a seat, they don't run somebody in a by-election so that the leader can come into the House of Commons. Okay. Now, yeah, like this, this it's called the leader's courtesy, and its exact definitions have, have kind of been loosey-goosey. Traditionally, it has only been when the party previously held the seat. Yeah. Like, so nobody's trying to gain a seat. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I can tell you, she didn't hold this seat. She didn't. There, there are no green seats in Ontario. Yes, no, she, she didn't. So it's interesting, because it's, it's a bit of a... So it's causing a bit of a stir. Elizabeth May is quite mad about it in, in Parliament, because when Jagmeet Singh was running... Oh, and sorry, another important thing. It's often... It's, it's traditionally also normally just been done for the leader of the opposition. It's not always extended to smaller parties, but it's normally been done for the leader of the opposition. Okay. But anyway, Wait. I think it was 2017, Jagmeet Singh was trying to get into the House of Commons, and he was facing a tight election in Burnaby South because it was at the height of the Liberals' popularity, and it was looking like the Liberals might actually steal that seat from the NDP. And so Elizabeth May went up to the NDP, and she was like, hey... Uh, would you like a leader's courtesy and we won't run a candidate against you? And the NDP was like, we'd love that, thanks. So they didn't, Jagmeet Singh won. Now Elizabeth May is saying that it's not the classy thing to do for the NDP to run a candidate against the Green leader after the Greens gave were the only party to give the NDP a leader's courtesy in 2017. What riding is she running in? Annamie Paul? Yeah. Toronto Centre. Which is currently? 
which is currently liberal. And 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 I see that and I see that argument. And to be honest, the liberals are going to win it. It's it's like the liberal stronghold in the country, Toronto Center. And so I kind of see both sides. No, I I thought she was running in an NDP riding. No, liberal riding. Yeah, then don't run. You're going to lose anyway. Just let her lose on her own. Well, that's that's the thing is uh, I had okay. So this this sort of brings me into my next point. Actually, they're kind of I have them as two points, but they're kind of melded together. So before I knew most about this, all I knew is that the ND, the Greens had given the NDP a leader's, leader's courtesy, and the NDP weren't giving it to the Greens. So I was kind of not not happy about that. And then I got a call uh, that same day that I learned about this from the NDP, a you, fundraising call. You got a call? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. fundraising yeah, call, yeah. and. The woman who I was talking to was very, very nice, very convincing. It was one of the best fundraising calls I've ever had, and you get them all the time as soon as you donate once. And I, I said to her, we had a fantastic conversation. She was actually, she was quite lovely because we just chatted for a bit, and then she, about 15 minutes in, she was like, "So I'm calling to fundraise," but uh, which I thought was nice that she didn't just like cut right to it. We had a nice conversation. Um, her name was Kate. Anywho, she was like, "So do you want to donate?" And I said. You know, it has nothing to do with you, but I'm a little disappointed in the NDP right now because of this thing that's happening. And uh, she was like, "Cool, I get it. Thanks for the thanks for chatting." And I was like, "Yeah, you too. It was lovely talking to you." And she was like, "You too." And then we hung up. And then ten minutes later, I got another call from the NDP, and I answered it. And it was a different person this time. And he said, "Like, hey, I just talked to Kate. one of my callers, Kate, and she said you had this issue, so we wanted to call and follow up on it." And I thought that in itself was impressive. Because you didn't, because you you didn't give the money the first time. Y- yes, but so they're calling but not back. Everybody, but not a, no, I don't think every party. I don't think everybody would call up to like discuss the discuss the issue you have. Because you said because they're hoping to get your money again. Yes, that's why, I know. That's why they called you back. I know that's why they called okay. me back. All right. Okay. So they but called you back. Think, All right. I don't think any other. I don't think many other parties would have put in that much effort for my money. No, probably um, not, because the other people have other places that they can get money from. But anyway. That's true. Anyway, so we talked about this issue, and he made some good points, and he told me a lot of this stuff that I've said that I thought, okay, well, maybe it's not as bad as it all seems. Like like they had already nominated a candidate before Annamie Paul had, had, had been nominated, and whereas that wasn't the case. You know, the Greens didn't withdraw a candidate. They just didn't nominate one in Burnaby South. But one of the things he said that I thought was almost a counter-argument was he was like, you know, we didn't ask for the leader's courtesy, they just offered it. And I was like, yeah, that's what makes it a nice thing to do. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes it a nice thing to do back without them having to ask for it. And one of the things I said to him was that this is not a seat that you previously held. It's not a seat that the Greens previously held either, but it's a liberal stronghold. So if So if you're both running... You're going to lose. You don't have a chance in hell of winning. Yeah. You don't really have a chance in hell if only one of your parties is running, but at least you have something of a chance if you want to get another progressive voice into parliament. And if that's the case, then why not just do the classy thing and extend the leader's courtesy because it was extended to you? Like, why not? And the only really valid reason I've heard is that the nominate the candidate was already nominated and... I understand that it would kind of suck if you're really excited to run and then your party's like, actually, never mind. I mean, um, I would say tough. It's better for the government. It's be- In the long run, it's better for the NDP if the liberals lose that seat. If the leader of the Green is running, there's no chance the NDP is going to win that seat. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, already, you know, Annamy Paul probably has a better chance than the NDP candidate just because she's getting more national attention. Absolutely. 
And if the NDP withdrew for her, it would get her even more national attention and maybe more people would consider Greens. Again, I don't I still think the Liberals would win because it's so close. But but even if you swayed a whole bunch of people away from the Liberal voters, then maybe you're opening up elections down the line. Yeah, it was it's a bad call by the NDP. Originally, originally, I was thinking, well, why would you pull them? I thought it was their riding. I'm like, why would you pull them when it's your riding? But when it's a riding that's not traditionally yours, then who cares? Pull them. It yeah. sucks. It sucks to be that person that was going to run. We'll give you a spot next election. You get to pick. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> Anywhere in the country you want. Whatever. Like, you can make it up to the person. It's it's just silly. Silly, silly. Yeah. Uh, I, I think... I tend, I tend to agree. I think they should have withdrawn their candidate... The, the man who I talked to kind of like like I understood his argument. I understood a little bit more afterwards what their thought process was, but it doesn't really sound thought, like they yeah. have much of an argument. Yeah. Anyway, they're all going to run. The liberals are going to win. Anime Paul will go run somewhere else, I guess. I think she should run in Guelph. Yeah, that's probably your best chance. And if she wants to run in Ontario, that's her best chance. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the Greens came in a close second in Guelph in 2019. And if the federal leader was running there after, you know, uh, however long between now and the election of publicity, she'd probably do well. She'd probably win. You do have to give her some props, though, for not pulling a a Jasmine Singh. And, you know, where he he waited till the... He didn't run in the first few by-elections that came up because he didn't have a chance of winning. Yeah, and this I is, criticized him at those times. I was is, like, you should be taking every single opportunity, no matter how far, to get into the House of Commons. And this is this is the first chance for her, and she's taken it. She's probably going to lose, but yeah. why not? Now, it is, a bit, it is a bit different than Jagmeet Singh because Toronto Centre is actually her home riding. She was the Green candidate in Toronto Centre in 2019. Right. Oh, and, um, it, and so, it happens to be coming up for a by-election. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, go for it then. And and yeah. I agree, NDP uh, should pull their candidate, hundred percent. Yeah, but speaking of people in the House of Commons and uh, in ridings, in home ridings, Michael Chung, who is yours, your your MP, I claim mine is Heather McPherson, <laughs> even though I spend some, even though all my banking address and stuff says Ontario, my my lease says Michael Chung's okay, uh, Edmonton, and. Uh, and uh, I voted in Edmonton, so Heather McPherson's my MP. Michael Chong's yours. Michael, Michael Chong's Chong, okay. I mean, as far as conservatives go, sure. He is, I believe, the foreign affairs critic for the conservatives. He's definitely some sort of critic, but I think it's foreign affairs, which would make sense for this story. He is saying that COVID-19 is not a credible excuse to deny Canadian diplomats access to the two Michaels in that the that China's holding. And this comes after Canadian diplomats met virtually with the two Michaels after our foreign affairs department pushed China for the past few months for some sort of uh, contact. They allowed virtual contact. But Chong said, doesn't enough, and China's using this COVID-19 excuse for no good reason. They're opening up their businesses and, and they're on their recovery. So Canadian diplomats should be allowed to go in and see the Michaels in person. And I think that's kind of a reckless approach to take. I don't know. I'm kind of with him on this. I I think if you're seeing virtually, why is that not good enough? And I think it's kind of talking out of both sides of their mouths for the conservatives, where they say, we can't trust China's numbers. Uh, China's been lying about this virus. 
but actually when they say they're opening, it's fine and we should be allowed to go in person. Uh, I, I, regardless of the economy or where they are on COVID, I think Canadian diplomats should be able to go see those Canadian prisoners to make sure they're being treated well and fairly and healthy and, and, and whatnot, regardless, of, regardless of COVID. Why wasn't virtually enough? Like, they saw them virtually. They had conversations. Yeah, but you never know. There's, like, somebody sitting there with a gun to their head off camera. How You never know how private it is. You don't know what they're... You know what I mean? When you're there, you're there. You can see the conditions. You can be in a private room with them. Yes. If I if it was me being held prisoner, and, and I wouldn't want COVID to be the reason why another Canadian didn't come and, you know, a Canadian diplomat come and tell me what's happening, where we are, when I expect to get out... Like, well, they have that conversation virtually, and I think, you know, like, yeah, maybe somebody standing directly behind the laptop with a gun pointed at your head. Maybe the guard whispered in your ear before you walked into the room in person saying, if you say anything bad, we'll execute you tomorrow. You know? But yeah, you can see the conditions. Maybe they moved him to a very nice cell and told him, you know, say this is where you've been staying or you die tomorrow, and then they throw him in a medieval-esque dungeon uh, as soon as the diplomat's gone, like, this is an authoritarian regime that you can't trust, and, and there's all these ifs, ands, or buts anyway. I don't think in-person actually changes that, that much. If, if China wanted to manipulate us, they will do their best to manipulate us. And I think, um, it, I think you can tell a lot more in person about what, how nervous a person is, how, how they're acting, how they're reacting, than, than over a video call. I, I just, I just, I don't see, uh, I, I don't I'm not saying everybody should be able to go. I I wouldn't want COVID-19 even in the height of COVID to be a reason why these people weren't looked after by our government. Who's, yeah. Who's giving the excuse? The the like the Chinese government or the Canadian government? The Chinese government. They're saying no. Because They're of COVID. They're saying no nothing in person because of COVID. Yeah. If that was if that was me or or you know, you or whatever in that jail, I would want somebody there. Yeah, I mean, I would want somebody there too, but but the government has has clearly been fighting for them. They they got this virtual meeting, and I don't know who, who what diplomat are you going to go tell and say, hey, go risk getting COVID and taking it home to your family. Well, I mean, I think it, you know you you might pick and choose wisely, but you know, I don't think you send a sixty year old with diabetes and emphysema. Unless you don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Been looking for an excuse to fire this guy, yeah. so I'll just send him to get COVID. But I, I, I just think, you know, these people, I think they're being held on. It's, it would be another thing completely if these were legitimate charges, but they don't seem to be from what, from what I understand. Now, I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but f- from what I understand is these are kind of trumped up charges because yeah. we're holding the Huawei CFO because of our pact with the US. Are we still holding her? Haven't we gotten rid of her yet? No, they're still doing the trial. Oh jeez. You know, that's a uh, that's our deal with the with the US. We've made that deal a long time ago. You fly in here and you're wanted in the states, we're going to hold them for the states. Yes, they have to go through a trial, and if they would have if there's enough evidence, then they go to the states, and that's what's going to happen. And they, these these arrests were pretty much in retaliation for that on you know, I, what seems from from our side, and admittedly, you know, we're only getting one side of the story, trumped up charges. And yeah. and I think 
somebody should be there, you know, most of the time, making sure that that justice is being served from from the Canadian end for for these two guys that shouldn't be in jail. Like I said, if it, if it was a legit charge, I might feel differently. But because it's not, I, I think I think the government needs to step in as much as they can. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you might get COVID, but these two people might get shot for no reason. Yeah, I don't know. I just. Uh... So did 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 our government like say okay, so okay, we'll hold off then? Is that what happened? And that's why Michael Chong said this. I we had virtual meetings with the Michaels, and Michael Chong said that that's not enough. Okay. I'm not sure if the government is still pushing for in person. I like to believe that they are, and that they just like settled for an in person for the sake of seeing them sooner. It's better than nothing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if the government is now still pushing to do some in-person stuff or if they've just settled with virtual. It is the first time that any of the Michaels have heard from anybody in Canada since they were arrested. Wow, that's kind of weird. Well, we've been pushing to try to get contact with them for since they've been arrested. Like, that was, pre, that was pre-COVID. Yeah, it I was, don't know what their excuse it was, was before. It was but, well, that's well pre-COVID. Yeah. Wow, okay. Or, or maybe it was just the first time in a long time. Maybe my facts aren't totally right on that. But it had certainly been a long time since any of them had heard from anyone in Canada. That I, I'm not 100% sure on that, now that you bring it up, now that you say that. Well, either way, I think it's the government's responsibility to, to take care of them as much as they can. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It is. It absolutely is. And anyway, the last thing I have under Trudeau, this is a long... Trudeau segment, and then you have some Trudeau, and then we get into the debate. This is going to be another long episode. <laughs> we we might need to start pulling back a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, it's very brief. I just have 2021 election question mark, because we're creeping up on one year since the 2019 election, and uh, we've had the minority government since then. And so next year, come late spring summer, fall, we will reach the average amount of time that a minority government lasts in Canada, a year and a half. And I have to say, I don't look at this minority government as one that is particularly functional or stable. In in the most stable minority governments we've had under uh, Lester B. Pearson, he was always working with the NDP. You know, they had to work out something each time. But him and the NDP had like a stable working relationship for two-ish years. Now, it wasn't an agreement. It wasn't a coalition. It didn't last the full four years. But those are some of the longest minority governments we've ever had. But looking at this, like the Trudeau liberals kind of every time they go in the confidence vote, it's like 50-50 are the bloc or the NDP going to support us. And, you know, at first it was the bloc. But now the bloc are, you know, Yves-Francois Blanchette's talking about toppling the government, which separately... It's a terrible idea, because who do you want instead? You're not going to win. You're not going to become prime minister, Mr. Blockman. And and the only other real option is, like, the conservatives claim a minority government, but the conservatives are not very popular in Quebec, and the conservatives in the bloc are not very similar parties. They tend to have different priorities. So I don't know what Yves-Francois Blanchet is trying to achieve by triggering an election, like, his best case scenario is a liberal minority. Pretty much. Like, because the liberals are probably the closest party to the bloc, except maybe on some issues, the NDP. But like separation. 
but hoping for the NDP to become the minority government is not a good bet to make. So well, I don't know why he's like topple the government. The only way the NDP would become the minority government is if he lost all his seats in Quebec to the <laughs> NDP. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's 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 a bad play. I don't know what he's thinking. Yeah, so he's not a friend of liberals anymore. So now they basically just have to go to the NDP hat in hand asking for you know, relying on their empty treasury to convince them to vote for the liberals. Well, that's just it. I mean, um, that's what's going to keep it going, is the NDP cannot afford an election. So they really don't have a choice but to vote for the, with the liberals. I mean, but clearly they're fundraising, and, and they must be getting something from these calls. So. That's why they're fundraising. I'm sure they yes, want know, but, but, to vote not with the liberals. But I, yeah, but, but what I'm saying is for the liberals, the liberals must know they're fundraising in that the longer they wait till an election, the more of a war chest the NDP builds up. And at some point, the NDP will stop supporting the liberals because they feel like they have the money. Absolutely. But and that's going to happen anyway. Like, that's going to happen maybe. anyway. It's a minority government. Like you said, the average time is a year and a half. Odds are it's going to fall at some point. So right now, they don't have the money. It'll probably be a year, a year and a half from now till they have the money. Because they're calling university yeah. students, getting their money ten bucks at a time. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Right, like um, it just—it's going to take some time. It's it, it could, it could. I I just don't. I think at a certain point, like the NDP might might go to war before they're ready, and I just don't see this parliament as a very cooperative one, uh, where they're willing to work together really, or a very stable one. So I wouldn't be surprised if it falls sometimes next year, and you might be looking at a 2021 election. Uh, maybe. Maybe I'd be. It would surprise me. I th- I think it would. I th- I would be surprised if it didn't. I think twenty. I think mid twenty twenty two end of twenty twenty two would be my guess if I was going to guess because at that point maybe you have a big enough war chest. I mean, regard you call it a war chest. It's like, you know, it's still like a a toy box compared to what the liberals and the conservatives have. Yeah, you know, you used to federal parties used to get $2, like, from the federal government, from the government of Canada, for every vote they received in an election. From who? The 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 Canadian Treasury, because we have public elections. So a party would get $2 for every one vote they get in an election. But uh, Stephen Harper scrapped that. I see the argument of, like, you know, it's probably an expensive gig, and, you know, the liberals and the conservatives probably don't need it. But it really does hinder small parties. And I tend to think that the more parties we have in Parliament, to an extent, the better our democracy is. And so it's it's bad for the Greens and the Bloc and the NDP. And and yeah, I'd love to see the Bloc out, but I would like to see the NDP and the Greens in, in Parliament. And, uh, you know, they just, they need the money. And, you know, the Liberals and the Conservatives have a bit of a step up because they had all these federally subsidized dollars for decades, a century to build up their brand, and then now new parties who might want to do the same, they don't get the same advantages. Yeah. So I think it was kind of a dick move by Stephen Harper, but I think a lot of what he did was that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess. I mean, I mean, it's a bit like, it's a bit like, you know, if you get hired at a, at a job, people there, when they got hired, when it got started up, probably got a better deal than you did because they needed people. They were bringing them in. They were experts in their fields, blah, 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 blah. You're coming in later now when things are more settled. So you don't get the, they don't need to pay the same deals anymore to get people over. You're now at, a, you know, a, a still may say a decent wage, but not what those first people were at. 
Yeah, it's but that's kind of exactly the same thing. thing. I don't think it is the same thing at all. This is that's that's a job. This is representation and ideologies and about spreading messages. I don't think it's the same. So how many, how many, I mean, there's, what, 20 million people that can vote in the country? So they're giving away $40 million every election? No, because not everybody votes. So they're giving away $30 million every election? I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, if you're, if you're a good enough, if you're, if you're a legitimate enough party, you should, you can fundraise with the people that are supporting you as a party. Mm, maybe, except you get... The conservatives who tend to appeal to rich people who can give bigger donations versus the NDP who tend to appeal to working people who can only afford smaller donations. You're, you're automatically giving an advantage to parties who appeal to the already rich and powerful. Yeah, that's that is true. Then you just limit how much you can, you know, you have to put limits on how much you can fundraise. And they've done that. They they have donation limits, but those donation limits are like two thousand dollars a quarter. Most working people probably can't afford a hundred dollars a quarter. If you go right to the working class, yeah, you know. But, like, but there's a lot more working class than there are elites. You just need to convince them to 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 give. Overall, you'll get more. Yes, but that is, and it, I mean, and that can be done. Bernie Sanders did it, but but it's a difficult phone call. Like, yeah, please. Please give us, you know, $50 and just trust that your neighbor is also going to give us $50 so that we can do something for you uh, and make your life better. But if your neighbor doesn't give us $50, then we're screwed and that won't happen. But you should still give us $50, even though you might, you know, that might be a meal for you tonight. Yeah, I mean, listen, ultimately, if you're talking about $30 million once every four years, they spend that. Uh, you know, when they go out to lunch half the time. Uh, so I, I, it's not that much money. If it helps out some smaller parties, uh, maybe, maybe. But the most, the most votes also go to the conservatives and the liberals. So they'll get most of that money. That's true. You're right, and that, that you're you're right. But it is still more money than the Greens and the NDP are currently getting. Yeah, like I, would- I mean, countrywide, how many? Do you know how many votes the Green get across the country? A million? Uh, I don't. I don't know the vote numbers. They get normally around six to eight percent of the national vote. Right. So maybe a little. Well, if we say we have twenty million eligible voters, roughly, I'm just guessing. I don't know. And and we get a fifty percent turnout. That's ten million people that vote, and then they get six percent of that. Was that six hundred thousand? That sounds like way more than what they have right now. So they get one. They'd get one point two million dollars. Is that what does that what uh, like on on a grand scheme? If you're trying to run a national election, what does one point two million do? I mean, it probably doesn't do for you much countrywide. But if you split up that that money into focusing on your competitive races, you know, the Greens might have been able to win because the Greens were competitive in twelve seats in 2019. If they had had that money and been able to focus. They might have been able to win Guelph, Charlottetown, uh, uh, Victoria, all these places where they lost by just a hair. But, but you know, the the liberals and the conservatives also have that much more money going into their coffers because they get this money, too, that they don't have. So they can put that extra money into competitive ridings like Guelph and all those places where they might lose. And now they have more money than what the Greens do from this yeah, 
Yes, I, I, I see where you're coming from, um, but I know that the Greens and the NDP both miss this when this happened, so I, I tend to believe that it, if they believe that it would have helped them, why would they be wrong? Well, lots of people believe things that are wrong. but Maybe. The Greens got 1,162,361 votes in 2019. So they would have got $2.2 million. Yeah, just, just over. Maybe, you know what, maybe you legislate it to, the you know, where, like, you get that money unless you hit a fundraising bar, you know? So you're just giving money to the parties that can't fundraise. Yeah. Or, like, an equalization formula, like you top up. So, you know, how much did you fundraise? Well, then that kind of removes your motivation to fundraise. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't, I, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, it's not... It, it's not on the grand scheme of things a great deal of money i mean i'd like to have it but <laughs> but i don't you know uh, on a on a sort of s- smaller scale i just I, I i i'm not too upset that it got cut i wouldn't really care if it wasn't cut i i don't really have an opinion on it well, fair enough although i should this is a podcast uh <laughs> nobody wants to nobody wants to tune in to listen to wishy-washy answers to listen to who cares <laughs> moving to ontario well as of today or as of saturday we have indoor indoor dining shut down in peel and in toronto and ottawa and maybe windsor maybe not i can't remember but just on i think it was thursday doug ford decided not to close down the bars uh, the indoor bars and his statement was this is this is a direct quote from from our premier, I can't make a, dis- a willy-nilly decision and decide I'm closing everything down and ruin thousands of people's livelihoods. So show us the evidence, hardcore evidence. And end quote. First off, I don't know if the politicians should be saying willy-nilly a whole lot. <laughs> Secondly, the hardcore evidence. Does he mean other than the growing number of cases, the exponentially growing number of cases, the RO factor that that's going up and up and up, the the fact that Toronto had more cases than they did at the height of the pandemic? Is that the hardcore evidence that he's talking about? And then two days later, he decides to shut it. So, I mean, why wait those two days? Uh, yeah, thousands I... of people can be infected in two days. Yeah. I think it's. I think maybe our our expectations for Doug Ford have maybe risen over the past uh, little, the past year because he managed to do something somewhat competently. But uh, I mean, we need to remember this is Doug Ford here, and he remains an idiot. And I, I don't really have any other explanation other than that. Well, it's you just could... a stupid thing, and it sounds to me like Doug Ford being Doug Ford. Yeah, you could. Uh, to me, it, the numbers were going in an ugly direction for a good week and then the cases started to spike and you, you just knew it was coming like you just knew it was coming and i don't i think if anything that the first wave showed us is that you got to act fast then he had the evidence it was there it didn't change much in two days yeah no i i agree with you completely but I, i'm also not surprised doug ford just ignored it yeah well that's too bad anyway that's all i had for uh, trudeau which had nothing to do with trudeau <laughs> No, I didn't mind. <laughs> so Justin must have been quiet, I guess. Yeah, who knows what he's doing these days? I feel like I haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah, good. That's probably wise. <laughs> Just keep your head down, Justin. All right, moving on. Trump. 
Now, Jim Acosta, who's a CNN reporter, asked a Trump supporter at a rally in September, so last month, why he wasn't wearing a mask. The reply was, because there's no COVID, it's a fake pandemic created to destroy the United States of America. And I just, can, I think they should ask that question when you go to vote. And if that's your answer, you don't get to vote. <laughs> IQ test at the polling stations. Like not just, uh, if a Biden supporter said that, I would say they don't get to vote either. Yeah, no, Absolutely. It's a stupid thing to say. I would like to find that supporter now that Trump has had COVID. What what did these what did these two thousand two hundred thousand people in the U.S. die of? Or they, there is no dead bodies. Nobody died. What's what parts the hoax? That wouldn't surprise me. I uh, I was watching an episode of Star Trek Lower Decks today, which and I've said this before on the podcast, but phenomenal show. Recommended to any Star Trek fan and. They had uh, an officer on who was a conspiracy theorist who said Wolf 359, which is one of the battles featured in Star Trek where a bunch of Federation ships were destroyed by the Borg and Jean-Luc Picard was assimilated and he led this assault on Earth. Anyway, they said uh, Wolf (laughs) Wolf 359 was an inside job and uh, made fun of other conspiracy theories. There's another one I don't remember, but it was was quite amusing. Yeah, that's funny. Now, I don't know. But it, it seems to me, what, I, what I've sort of witnessed over the last, say, week and a bit, uh, the president gets better medical treatment than most of the rest of the country. Shocking, really. What, well, what, what, what leads you, you to that? Well, I don't know. Nothing specific. <laughs> so Trump left Walter Reed Medical Center on Monday. Did you see the pictures from inside that hospital? Not from inside. It's like the nicest hotel you've ever stayed in. And that's his hospital. <laughs> but anyway... Trump left Walter Reed on Monday saying he was well enough to return to the White House, but he had learned he learned about COVID. He'd really learned. He he learned the best way is what he said by being there. Anyway, Trump Trump when he was in there was put on two drugs. One of them was dexamethasone. Now this drug's side effects can include mental health issues including psychosis, delirium, and mania. So the so they know problem there's no is, difference in personality. The problem is we don't know if he's suffering from any of them. Yeah. He could have all of them and nobody would know. Nobody would know. Because there's no difference. Yeah. It seems normal. I think he just had a cup, extra cup of coffee today yeah. or something. Another quote of Trump's, don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. 210,000 dead now? Yeah. Like, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, came out today and he said, he said, quote, don't be afraid of COVID? What? Be afraid of COVID. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, you don't want to get it. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think that's pretty clear, too. I mean, most people who get it recover. That's true. And another thing Andrew Cuomo said is like, you know, don't hide under your bed, but be smart and be safe. Yeah. More like be respectful of it more than be afraid of it. Like, understand you can understand that you need to take steps to keep yourself and and the people around you safe yeah yeah i mean i think i think that's fear it's fear that makes me look like you know check for cars when i cross the road it's not like a great fear that's dominating my life but it's an i don't want to get hit by a car fear and i think that's the fear that andrew cuomo is talking about yeah i, I think 
I don't know if I'd call that fear. I just think it, it, I think saying fear, same with crossing the road, saying fear gives, gives connotations that aren't quite right. I would say a, a healthy respect. Because you know a car will do damage to you, so I respect what that car can do to me, so I look both ways. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We, I don't think we need to dive into this Either too way, much. either way. Semantics. Trump's an idiot. Yes. He, he shot an ad coming home from the hospital, and, and there was one part that I don't get. He starts talking about he knew, I know it was dangerous, but I had to lead. A couple things, like what what part was dangerous? Exactly what what part that he did was dangerous? Other than to other people? Like, what part yeah. put him in danger? I, I don't know what he meant by that. Maybe I'm missing something, but I don't know what he meant by that. And and as <laughs> far like as... Quote I, from Shrek. It's like the quote from Shrek when Lord Farquaad is addressing his knights, and he's like, some of you may die, but that is a sacrifice I am willing to make. That's right. And then he says... And then he says uh, the other part that, you know, I had to lead, and I just thought, really? Why, why start now? Yeah. Another... Trump claimed that it was, again, far less lethal than the common flu. Uh, Fauci had to come out and correct the president. Like, it doesn't, I don't, I don't understand at this point why you would say that. It's not. The it's, fact that, yeah. The fact that Fauci hasn't just thrown up his hands in the air and quit yet, like, that's a dedicated man. Yeah. That is a true public servant who is willing to put the public good over himself. Fauci for president 2020. Yeah, he's not even running. No, write-in. Write-in ballots are a thing. Yeah, but the thing is, the people that would vote for him would be Biden supporters, probably. So you don't want to do that. Well, it's too bad that we have a national podcast with a wide-reaching American audience. Yes, you're audience. right. You don't want to... You don't want to... You don't hugely wanna, influential. You don't want to influence all our listeners. It could change the fate of the election. Yeah, I'm, I'm like... I'm the left-wing Rush Limbaugh, really. <laughs> so... And before we get to uh the debate which i think we can probably spend less time on than even what i've written down because it was uh kind of meh debate but and also it's the vp debate yeah i think it's an important one rudy rudy giuliani said on a talk show that he is taking hydroxychloroquine despite no positive tests called his doctor a genius and i just that is so irresponsible it's one thing it's irresponsible to say it because the drug has been proven (laughs) that it doesn't do anything Except if you have lupus, where those people need it and have a hard time getting it because idiots like Giuliani are taking it for something that doesn't help. And for not even that, because he doesn't have a positive test. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's like he's just taking it just because it's the cool thing to do. He gets It gives him a buzz. I don't know. Don't yeah. understand. And that's like... And that logic is so flawed. It's it's a It's a fallacy. It's like saying... I had a cup of juice every morning since COVID happened. I don't have COVID yet, so the juice is keeping me from getting COVID. I'm a genius. Yeah, I'm a genius. <laughs> All right. Well, I think the star of the VP debate was uh, the fly. Yeah. Although, I have to say, within, oh, 45 minutes of the debate ending, I was, uh, I was, I was done with the fly jokes. Yeah. They, like, they just dominated. Although... Although, within 45 minutes of the debate ending, there was a Twitter account account created called Mike Pence's Fly, the bio of which was, I was the fly on Mike Pence's head. And when I followed that page 45 minutes after the debate, it had 
111,000.1 followers already. Wow. Like... Was he at least tweeting funny stuff? It was It was decently funny. It was more so just a lot of stuff that Mike Pence would disagree with. Like, one of the tweets was just... It, it's actually... It's Mike Pence's fly with a rainbow flag afterwards. It, it talks a lot about, actually, gay rights. And it was all jokes at first, but uh, now I'm looking at it, and he's now pinned a tweet from three days ago, a link where you can born to end conversion therapy, uh, donate, a link where you can donate to end conversion therapy. So it's looking like he's he's got a platform. Okay. Uh, 122,000 followers now, and he's turning it to good, which is nice. They started the VP debate. It's, it was interesting because there was so many questions where they just answered what they, both Pence and Harris just, just answered whatever they wanted to answer. Yeah, yeah. I don't think either of them answered a question. The COVID question for Pence was, why is the U.S. death toll higher than any other rich countries? For example, two and a half times that Canada's. And and Pence, (laughs) and, and Pence just went on about what a great job they did. Yeah. And how so many more people would be dead if, if they didn't do such a good job. Yeah. But that doesn't answer the question at all. No. Like not even close. Yeah, and again, kind of a stupid statement. Like, think about how many more people would be dead if we hadn't done anything. Well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> like, and even if you did the bare minimum, that obviously saves some people. But the real question is, how many how many less people would be dead if you had done anything competently? Yeah, then they, they moved into the role of the VP because the, the question, I can't remember her name. Some Susan something? I think it might be Susan something. Anyway, look it up. The next question was, you know, you whoever wins, the VP is going to be the VP for the oldest president ever. So you are going to have to, you know, I mean, like, what is your plan? Are you going to go talk to them and have a plan for, you know, what happens if they have to take over? Basically, yeah. Uh, Pence started talking about vaccines for COVID. And how they're making tens of millions of doses. And then Harris just didn't answer the question either. So said, Pence at one point said, transparency practiced will, continued, will continue. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> the yeah. transparency of the Trump government's going to continue, is it? Okay, good to know. Yeah. I saw the SNL sketch of the VP debate just this morning. I haven't seen that and- one yet. It's uh, it's not as good as the first one, to be honest. They they did this bit where Kate McKinnon, who played Susan Page, was the name of the moderator. She asked the VP question to Harris, and my Rudolph as Harris was like, Susan, instead of answering your question, I'm going to tell an unrelated story. <laughs> Joe Biden asked me to be his VP, <laughs> and she went on, uh, and it was it was quite funny. And I have to say, and this is a bit of a tangent, but. I know people who don't like Maya Rudolph. I think she's hilarious. But regardless of whether or not you like her, I think you have to respect her as a satirist because I was watching the VP debate and I saw Kamala Harris doing some like mannerisms and I thought, I've seen Maya Maya Rudolph do these. (laughs) And then when I watched the sketch and having seen Harris do the things, like Maya Rudolph did some of the exact same things, like physically and, and with her voice like her inflections and that's a skill man that's yeah. a skill to be able to imitate something so 
if you talk to the like the a lot of the people that do a lot of impersonations especially on snl the, like the really good ones it's it's almost mannerisms more than voice oh yeah absolutely character like you know character body is something we talk about all the yeah. time and, it, and it, it's a way in it's it's a really w- great way in but even Just like my did the i'm talking i'm talking yeah. now was was brilliant just like you know alec baldwin with the hand movement and that. well whoever does trump does like the accordion yeah. hands you know yeah one of the things that harris did go into a little bit that she wasn't asked but started talking about anyway was the was the tax returns and and the fact that trump was 400 million in debt and and she explained what debt meant to those debt meant i'm pretty sure most of the united states knows at least the working class united states but she explained it anyway <laughs> and then she brought up a good point like who who does he owe yeah if you're, if you're the president of the united states and you owe 400 million dollars that's a national security risk that is an issue yeah yeah absolutely now the, then they moved on to the economy which was blah 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 unless you have something about the economy that you wanted to bring up no no I mean, it, it was a, it was very similar to the presidential debate then they moved into climate change where the question was do you believe that man-made carbon output has made disasters worse which Mike Pence never said yes to. No, he just said that they were very proud of our record on the environment. The air is cleaner than ever. The climate is changing. Trump has made it clear that he will continue to listen to science. Continue to listen to science, I thought. Continue. Have, you, have you listened to science at all? Can you when, continue when you to start? do something continue. you have never done in the first place? That should have been the breaking news story. Trump apparently started listening to science at some point. Yes. And a strong free market economy. And they start talking about tariffs, which I, I don't understand how that got he got there from climate change. But good for him, because that's not easy to do. <laughs> yeah, now, that's, I mean, I, I, th- I found his answers really showed either his complete lack of understanding of the climate crisis. Uh, I don't think that's or, it at all. Or, or his just ability to talk around and about it in a way that sounds like he's addressing the actual problem while never actually talking about it. I think because that's it. Because looking, looking, creating national parks, you know, looking, making green spaces more healthy and more pretty, well, is is a part of addressing the climate crisis because we need more trees to absorb the carbon dioxide. You know, it's not conservation is an important aspect of environmental stewardship but it is not what's going on with the climate crisis it has nothing to do with the carbon dioxide that's being spewed into the air trapping the sunlight and heating the planet you can conserve everything you'd like until it burns down when the planet's on fire like it's they're they're both important issues but they are different issues related but different and and one is not the climate crisis. Yeah. And he never once actually addressed the climate crisis. No, no, absolutely not. And he, they won't because they, you know, they don't, they don't. And, and, and he again, he, he again brought up forest management, which is Trump's big thing. But I, yeah, I can't, I, I actually, can't listen to that anymore. I kind of go back and forth because I'm not 100% sure on whether or not, and it might vary from Republican to Republican, but I, I, I waffle on Trump, whether or not he just doesn't believe it's happening or he believes it's happening, but his approach is, I'm going to be dead by then anyway, so it'll be somebody else's problem, so I don't care. I'm going to make it my world while I'm here. I think they believe that 
it's more well I, I i mean nobody knows what somebody believes i hope they believe that it's not man interference that it's natural earth cycle because at least that is an and you know in some way morally defensible defensible yeah because if it's if you believe it's happening and don't care that makes you evil yeah uh, but i don't know i wouldn't take a lot to convince me that mike pence is just an evil person yeah no me neither i just like i said i hope yeah then there was a, there was an interesting question about the green new deal the question said you know that harris was the co-sponsor and and biden said the prior week that he doesn't support it yet it was on the harris biden website so then i think harris started talking about more lost jobs it didn't didn't really answer the question so i i'm i'm now not clear whether they are sort of pro or anti the green new deal my understanding are there at their aspects of it that they want to implement or at least that joe biden is willing to implement to appease the the left-wing part of the democratic party but not the whole thing and also not the parts that are would be most effective and then they then they moved on to China and they they asked both of them how well they, first she asked Pence how does he describe the relationship with China and he said China is to blame for COVID and Trump isn't happy about it that was basically his point that doesn't yeah. describe the relationship in any way shape or form no 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 it doesn't then she asked Harris the same question and she didn't answer either which is weird because it feels like she had nothing to lose from answering that question yeah yeah I don't understand. And then they, they did ask a question about the U.S.'s role in, in global leadership. And that one I did think Harris answered fairly well, saying that, you know, Joe said, well, it might sound complicated, but it's just relationships. You got to keep your word to your friends, know your adversaries, and keep them in check. Whereas, you know, Trump has betray- betrayed our friends and embraced dictators. Yeah. Which actually it may have been the best answer to any question because it actually kind of answered the question. <laughs> then then Pence was asked the same question and talked about they did move the Israeli and embassy to Jerusalem which, which you know, Obama said you said he was going to do but didn't. Uh then there was a whole bunch of military talk and then the moderator tried to stop him and Pence just kept on talking. Shocker. Moved on to Supreme Court. Pence talked some more about military said I don't I don't what did he say exactly? I don't presume how amy barrett amy kona barrett whatever her name is will vote on abortion but i think he does i think they all presume otherwise they wouldn't have nominated her yeah yeah no i think they know i think they know given you know all her past statements on it and the the groups that she is an active member of we all know how she's gonna vote they know we know there's no pretense he talked about her he hopes she gets a fair hearing with no attacks on her christian faith and he there was a question specifically about abortion that he he dodged yeah oh oh i think oh it was what was what would you hope you know if if the national abortion law strike struck down what would you hope indiana would do which which way do would you hope that they would vote? And he didn't answer. Yeah, and then I, Harris. Another point though, where he said, you know, she hopes he hopes she gets a fair hearing, unlike Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, which I thought was obviously was just so ridiculous to yeah. say that Brett Kavanaugh didn't get a fair hearing. He got a perfectly fair hearing, and they ignored uh, it, and, and they ignored the results anyway. 
Yeah, exactly. That's except for the part where he was confirmed. Yeah. So yeah, you know he was right. I hope that Amy Conan Barrett does get a fair hearing, unlike Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, fair result. Yeah. And that was another question that Harris did answer. She said she'll always fight for a woman to make decisions about her own body. So that's I think that was the second question she she answered that actually yeah. answered the question. So she was and that's, she's winning two nothing. That's something I admire about even Democrats who are more moderate, who I don't quite agree with on a lot, like Joe Biden or Tim Kaine, who say, and, and this abortion issue came up in the 2016 debate, where Tim Kaine said, you know, I'm a Catholic man, I don't believe in it for my own life, but I would also never to presume to force my religion onto somebody else. And that's what religious freedom is. It's you can absolutely do whatever you'd like according to your religion, and so can anyone else. And if that if that happens to go against your religion, tough shit. It's not your life. You can't control that other person's life. Yeah. And uh, just that acknowledgement and integrity of what freedom of religion really is, I admire in, in some people. Yeah, the, who aren't Mike Pence. Not Mike Pence, yeah. They talked a little bit about racial justice and Breonna Taylor asking basically do you think justice was done because, you know, that the cops are, are, there's no indictments. Do you think justice was done? Harris said, I don't believe so. And then she sort of moved on to, she got off of that pretty quickly, though, and moved on to George Floyd and, and what's what's come on from there. And then getting rid of private pri- prisons and decriminalizing marijuana. Yeah, that was, I feel like that was a big thing that, that I didn't know about until just then. And then everyone else, like, no one talked about Nobody it. Nobody cared. Yeah, that was, I, <laughs> that, me too. I'm like, really? I did not know that was in there at yeah. all. Like, did you just announce that? Yeah. I have to say that also, getting rid of private prisons, that's badly needed reform. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I can't believe like, they have private prisons. like that. I, yeah, that, that just when, that all... Like, when did that seem like a good idea? Yeah. At what point did the logic play out as that is a good idea? Obviously, there's just so many obvious problems with it. I don't want to dive into it because I'll talk about it for too long, and this is already so long. (laughs) They moved on. Or Pence, sorry. Pence, when talked about the Breonna Taylor, said he, the family has our sympathies, but he trusts our justice system. He trusts that justice will be served for George Floyd. No excuse for rioting and learning. Uh, he doesn't presume that America is systemically racist. It's a great insult. Great insult to the men and women who serve in law enforcement. He will always stand by law enforcement. And then he, he took a shot at Harris saying he was surprised that she didn't, being that she was the attorney general in California. Yeah. And then Harris Harris sort of shot back. To take. It's such a dangerous stance to take that... There cannot be anything wrong with this system or anybody who joins this system because they're in it, so they're perfect. And, like, just obviously... That's not what he said. That isn't what he said. I I think he did say there's, you know, that... I don't think that that's what he said. I didn't get that from that. But I think it was in general he will stand by the law enforcement and the justice system. And the fact that the justice system went through and, and looked at these cops, specifically in the Breonna Taylor and decided not to indict like they were they went to a grand jury and they decided not to indict then he trusts that system yeah what i got from that is i will always ignore the systemic problems that we have and never bother to put forward any sort of reform to better this system then at one point harris talked about how trump refused to condemn the white supremacists and pence said not true it was it was last week we all heard it 
So Trump did supposedly condemn them two days after the debate. Uh, I didn't hear that. He must have done it quietly. Yeah, as quietly as he could, probably. So just to say there is a little bit of backing to Pence saying not true. But I don't really think that changes anything because why wouldn't he have just done it in the moment? Yeah. No, exactly. 100%. He should have done it in the moment. Doing it two days later is too late. I think the same thing happened in Charlottesville after he said find people on both sides. A couple days later, he came out and corrected. I just made air quotes what he meant by that. But, you know, he says what he means. And then he'll say something else a couple days later to to get the rest of the people back on his side. Yeah. Uh, Then there was some election questions. Is Trump going to leave the White House? And what are you going to do if they don't? That they didn't really answer. Pence said he thinks he's going to win, so he's not worried about it. And and he also said that Democrats have spent the last three and a half years trying to overturn the last election results. There was one point where Pence said uh, something on the lines of, Uh, when he was talking about that, he said, like trying to impeach the president. And I really wanted Harris to jump in and say something like, didn't try, succeeded. Yeah, he was impeached. He just got found, he just got got off. But he did get impeached. Yeah, he was absolutely impeached. And I think that's so important for people to hold on to. Just because he wasn't removed from office doesn't mean he wasn't impeached. And he is one of only three presidents in American history to have been impeached. And then the last question was from an eighth grader about why can't we all just get along? And uh, Pence said, well, we basically do. We debate, but then we're friends afterwards. And I'm sure Camilla just wanted to say, no, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> but she yeah. didn't. She, I thought she gave a better answer. It was a better answer. They both had fine answers for that one. It was a little bit like they were answering the eight-year-old, but, you know, he, he had a fine answer. I just don't believe a word of what he said. Yeah, no, and, uh, especially not these days. I don't think Lindsey Graham goes out with uh, Bernie Sanders for a drink after a Senate session. Yeah, something tells me no. I, no, there's just there there isn't much across the aisle anymore at all. It's really become polar, and really just in the last four years, it's been maybe it's been coming for a long time before that. But but Trump has really you know allowed them to to completely separate. Yeah, and I think I. I Maybe I'm being partisan, but I kind of have to blame that on Republicans for digging in with Trump instead of standing up when he's doing something so obviously morally wrong and then asking the Democrats to join them in such moral bankruptcy. And obviously, well, maybe not obviously for some of them, but like the Democrats should say no. And if that causes more stark divide, then that's what it does. But when you have morality on your side, you have to stay there and and you can't you know, throw it out the window in the name of working across the aisle. Yeah, absolutely. There are times when you can't. But things like, things like these these relief bills for the Amer- for the American public from from COVID. You know, they they got to be done. You know what I mean? Like both sides have to understand that these have to be done and get it out. And that's just not happening. Yeah. Overall, the debate. I say I would say, Pence was exactly what I thought he was going to be. And I was a little disappointed in Harris. Um, I would say... Only because I was expecting more. Yeah. I think that Harris won the debate only by virtue of I don't think either of them changed anybody's mind. And with Joe Biden with such a strong lead, that's an automatic win for Joe Biden. And that in the Biden ticket. And that is why it was so stupid that Trump is not going to participate in any more debates. 
Well, only if they're virtual, he's not going to do them. Yes, and the debate commission has said they're going to be virtual, so he's not going to do it, and Joe Biden's going to have the stage to himself for 30 minutes or something like that. And, you know, Trump... He'll do the virtual debates. I'm not convinced he will. Uh, I think he will. Well, I mean, he'd better if he has a hope in hell of... Because of, that's just it. Do you want... They're, they're like, they're going to go on. There's going to be airtime there. It's going to be just Biden talking. He doesn't want that. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, we'll like I said, I just think I was expecting Harris to to sort of really mop the floor with him, and, and I just don't think she did. And I, th- I do think part of that was because they were trying to be so nice because the first debate went so off the rails. Yeah, it was a bit of an overcorrection. That it, it just was, it was a snooze fest overall, and it... I don't think it's, I don't think, I think she, she could have, I think she could have, I was expecting a lot more, which is why I was sort of disappointed in how it, how it unfolded. Yeah. I, I wanted, I wanted her to attack him more, but even before the debate, people were saying that what they were hearing from the Harris campaign is that she's not coming out to fact check Pence. She's not coming out to attack him. She's coming out to talk to the American people and deliver Joe Biden's message. And I get where that's coming from, but also I don't want anybody to, and I don't think you should just let Mike Pence stand up there and lie. Yeah, no, you got to fact check him. If you have, if you know, now there was a, there was a couple things that where she got fact checked as well, where she said things that weren't necessarily a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. But if you know the other person saying something that isn't true, then you got to call them out. Yeah, I, I do think all over it was a bit of an overcorrection from the other debate. Even on the part of the moderator, I think she she should have let them spar a bit more instead of jumping in immediately. Like, don't let them spend too long. But but a part of it is you know them calling each other on their crap, and that's always been a part of the debate format. Yeah, I think it was a bit of an overcorrection. Correction. I really did want to see Kamala Harris take Mike Pence to town on Donald Trump's record, and she didn't so much. Yeah, I also would have liked it if both of them answered the questions that were asked. Well, yeah. They're politicians. What do you want to do? I'm trying to tell you something about my life. All right, closer to fine. Uh, This one's a bit more relevant for probably people my age than Dylan's, but Jerry Springer has said the first debate was a new low for television. A few years ago, TV Guide said that Jerry Springer show was the worst show in the history of television, and his quote after watching Tuesday night's debate was, the torch has now been passed. And Jer- Jerry Springer did a did a, a gotcha Ellen or Oprah or Phil Donahue, or like it was like a, a show where you brought guests on, but it was like... You know, this is my mother who's a stripper whose husband is my brother and, you know, things like that. <laughs> it's got 28 seasons and over 4,000 episodes. Yeah, well, that's, it's it's things like Jerry Springer that get Trump elected. It's, yeah. It's the same base. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that quote was funny, that the debate was worse than an episode of Jerry Springer. Over to you. Yeah. I'm looking at, sorry, that is funny. I'm just looking at the Jerry Springer show, and I noticed this is a Google review. Produced and hosted by its namesake, Jerry Springer, it aired for 28 seasons and over 4,000 episodes. And then directly under that, it says, number of seasons, 27, <laughs> which is not the same as 28. No. So there seems to be a bit of a 
Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, closer to fine. Uh, I did my first read-through of the short film that I'm in. Looking like it's going to be fun. Can't talk too much about it, obviously, but I'm excited to do it, and I'm going to get to work with Beverly, who we've had on the show twice now. Once. We should have her back. Yeah. Well, it wasn't twice, are you sure? Yeah, pretty sure. Okay, well, yeah, we'll have her back. But, uh, yeah, the, our, the female lead, for lack of a better term, who uh, was in in it with me her scheduling wasn't working out so they were looking for uh somebody new and i pitched beverly and i think they're taking her so that's that's fun beverly and i haven't acted together since high school so i'm looking forward to that we're in, in that, the adams family which you can watch well i shouldn't say this but you can watch it on my youtube channel Shh. <laughs> and i got mr daly sued <laughs> hopefully he doesn't listen uh, sorry mr daly <laughs> Um, I don't make money on it. It's not. It's not. It's not pay per view or anything. I know. I. You know what? I'm gonna stop talking. Good idea. Um, <laughs> I can edit uh, this whole part out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give a, a silence so that you can cut it. Okay. Now there you go. That's a good place to cut it for you. I might cut it. I, I might leave it. This, <laughs> it'll be a surprise. Anyway, <laughs> I. Uh, so I started watching the new Netflix show Haunting of Bly Manor, which is um, related to the hit show from 2018, Haunting of Hill House. Same cast, but it was like not in the same universe. Right. Yeah. Mad um, wants to see that. Because Haunting of Hill House. Is, yeah, it's brilliant. Haunting of Hill House was, was based on a book, TV show based on a book. And so they told the whole story of the book, but it was so popular. Like, wow, we, we got to make more money. So they picked another book, same cast, but this time they're doing Haunting of Bly Manor. I had planned to watch it like all throughout October, like two or three episodes a week. Then I binged it in two days huh. because it was so good. It was so good. And it was like, it was heart wrenching and like a beautiful story. I scary. I'm quite picky or at times it was scary. There was a few like, good tension building moments and some like what's that in the background and like yeah it was scary if you get scared easily it was scary but with horror my biggest thing is i i I need it to be good storytelling otherwise i just think it's you know cheap shots cheap scares blood and gore who cares but this was fantastic storytelling you really got to care and get invested in the characters and it was a gorgeous story and i have to say if you can stand horror but don't like horror movies because they're bad cheesy uh, you know, low budget. Watch Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Bly Manor. They're both just so good. It's it's just good TV. And I'm really starting to come around where TV is probably the best medium for any book adaptation. As long as you have the budget. Yes, yes, as long as you have the budget. I think the big screen, like movies written for the big screen, great. They always work. You never feel like you're missing anything because literally the whole story was written for the big screen. But, but I think books, be it series or standalones, I think I really think that TV is the best adaptation form for it if you have the budget. You can't do it in two hours or two and a half hours. I mean, Harry Potter is a prime example. The first one, I thought they did a pretty good job. There was still parts of that that bugged me a little bit. But after that, they, they just left so much out and, and shortcutted yeah. and changed stories. And you look at Lord of the Rings and, you know, it, it's it's a... They're great movies. I love the movies, but there are parts that really bother me because they they move from the book. Yeah, like yeah. like Boromir, yes. the Boromir, and uh, what's his brother? Uh, Faramir. Th- Faramir. 
you know, Faramir taking, uh, oh, this is a spoiler if you haven't seen it. <laughs> spoiler alert if you haven't seen Lord of the Rings. But Faramir takes, or Reddit, takes Frodo and, and Sam to to the White City. But in the book, he's shown to, he's stronger than his brother. He lets him go, right? Like yeah. He's shown to be stronger than his brother there. And he, he lets yeah. him go. But but then the movie, it so changes the character of the person. And then the other one that that happens with is Sam. In the book, Sam doesn't leave him on that mountain. He would never leave yeah. him. It goes against character. It just, oh, those are the two main ones that really bug me. And, the, and they yeah. do things for, and to, just to make things shorter. And so it fits in two hours. And I would agree. It, as long as you have the budget, TV's way better. Yeah, because you can literally do an episode of chapter, an hour episode of chapter. Yeah, or or not even if you you know if if it's if it's too much of a chapter you can do you can make it two hours like it does, there's no there's no limit. Especially especially Netflix TV shows that like just go right to Netflix, like Haunting of Bly Manor, they, like they keep it to roughly an hour, but I think the shortest episode was fifty two minutes and the longest episode was sixty four. Yeah, there's you know, no... and these are without commercials; they go straight through. Yeah, so they kind of just like, well, we want to tell this story in roughly an hour but if we go a little over a little under doesn't matter yeah no i agree i agree that the, the advent of of these non-traditional channels and streaming channels has uh, really changed the game yeah um plus the I fact hope... that everybody has a massive movie size screen tv in their house yes <laughs> so my biggest hope where i think this theory will really be tested is they're remaking the percy jackson series the movies of which were nothing like the books yeah, they were bad. Um, but they're making it as a TV show that's supposed to be to give more honor to the books. And I hope that plays out well. And I hope that authors push more for their books instead of being made into movies to be made in a TV show. Well, I think they will, especially with if, if depending on how long, hopefully this COVID thing wraps up relatively quickly, but it may change the way th- people interact for a long time. And y- people are more likely to sit at home and watch something on their TV then go out to a crowded movie theater and jam in there even after the vaccine you know I'd say for the next year yeah I wouldn't expect movie theaters to be that busy yeah no probably not so just financially it makes more sense to do it on the TV yeah and and I mean I imagine you know it would be more profitable to do a multi-seasoned multi-episode TV show than one or two movies yeah I, I yeah maybe I, I don't know I mean movies popular movie makes a lot of money yeah that is true like pre-covid yes and now the end is near hey right, parting thoughts I have I have a couple things first off I just want to say last week I said those rich republicans they don't pay anything with regard to income tax and really I should have included the democrats as well I think everybody uses the tax laws as best they can to keep as much of their own money as they can. I I don't think the Democrats are out there just giving their money back to the government. And I I did say Republicans, and I want to say I don't, you know, it's not true. Everybody uses the tax laws to keep their money, and they probably need to look at revamping those tax laws. Secondly, it is Canadian Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving this was a, a bit more of a sub- subdued Thanksgiving. We, I cooked the turkey, of course. It was fabulous. And then we had... It also happens to be my sister-in-law's birthday, so happy birthday to Anne, who was a guest 
early on in an early episode. Yes. So happy birthday to Anne. We had a small outdoor COVID-friendly birthday afternoon celebration around a fire this afternoon to, to, to wish her happy birthday. And then came home and had a had a smaller Thanksgiving dinner, whereas normally the whole family would be over and, and my family would be coming up tomorrow and we'd have a second turkey. So COVID has cost me a turkey dinner, which is sad. But, you know, it, it's, uh, it definitely makes us think of the, the things we're, we're thankful for, and especially when you can't get together, you know. It, it makes you appreciate the times that we can get together more, and hopefully come Christmas we can go back to having our, our big family gatherings if we can keep it together for the next little while and, and stay home and, and isolate as much as possible, and let's nip this thing in the bud. Yeah, absolutely. My parting thoughts are much less Thanksgiving oriented. Um, I here's here's my my hot take that I was thinking about earlier. Biden, going back to politics, Biden is is swimming in cash, and that's know, a bad image. I've <laughs> I've I've read that it's sort of more money than the Biden campaign really knows what to do with, and I would say it's very tempting to put it into Texas because if they took Texas from the Republicans. It would be quite the uh, symbolic victory, like, and a real, like, blow. But the way it's looking, Biden doesn't need Texas to win. And so I think it would be smarter for him to pour money into South Carolina, Georgia, Iowa, Kansas, and Alaska. Now, of these states, he only really has a shot at winning Iowa and Georgia. But all of these states are at least somewhat competitive on the Senate level. And if Joe Biden pours money that maybe some of the Senate candidates don't have into these races, he might help some of the Democratic Senate candidates ride his wave and gain a few more seats. Because even if Joe Biden becomes president, there is a good chance he will be dealing with a Republican Senate. Right Republican now, the Senate. <laughs> right now, the Democrats are the favorite to win the Senate with a 51 to 49 seat majority, which is not exactly comfortable. But if he could help out the the candidates who are just a little bit behind, the Democratic candidates who are just a little bit behind in Kansas, Alaska, South Carolina, and Georgia, and the Democratic candidate who is neck and neck in Iowa, it might be might be better overall. And I didn't know where else to put that, so I put it in parting, parting thoughts because it's kind of just an idea I had, my is hot it, take. Is it... When you say that, it's just like playing more ads in that area, yeah? That's what you mean by pumping money in? Yeah, yeah, playing more ads, maybe hiring more volunteers. That's a contradictory <laughs> statement. Uh, not not, not paying the electorate to vote for you. So that no. would probably work too, if they have all this money. <laughs> that might be illegal. Really? <laughs> I could um, sell my vote. I think that's illegal. They Is made it? that illegal oh. a while ago. <laughs> anyway, that's the thought. And then the other thing is my phone refuses to accept the word by-election as a word. And it's very annoying because I probably talk about by-elections more than the average person. I'm guessing you do. I'm guessing uh, the average person, it's it's less than once a month. <laughs> I'm thinking you're way above the average. Yeah, probably. Is it, but, is uh, it B-I-election? No, B-Y. BY election. No, but does your phone accept BI election? No, it doesn't accept any form of by election. Oh. Huh. Which is ridiculous. No, that's not a very democratic phone. 
Is that is that an iPhone? Yeah, it should. Every it is an iPhone. I blame Steve Jobs then. Yeah, he's dead, but I'm sure it's his fault. <laughs> anyway, what a what a what a fascinating thing to end on. What it's, a like really leave them wanting more. You know? Are you are you having any Thanksgiving celebrations? No, not a, a faux turkey sandwich or anything. I might go out and buy myself a slice of pumpkin pie. That's a good idea. We did get. I should I should say thank you to your nana because she made us a pumpkin pie that we had this evening and it was good. That's what I heard. Yeah, That's what I heard. Mm-hmm. The apple was good as well, but I just when there's pumpkin, I I don't have apple. It's the way it is. Depends the season. For me. Now for pie, well, yeah, because you only make pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving. Yeah, you don't make it, but but for pie, we were having this discussion. Pumpkin pie is the only pie I'll eat cold. Cold with whipped cream. Me too. Every other pie has to be warm. Well, well, okay. I will say I would not want like a key lime or a lemon meringue pie warm. Fair. Fair. But also, under no circumstances would I want a key lime or lemon meringue pie at all. (laughs) Also, also fair. So, so (laughs) I don't know how much I should count those. I, so, the fruit fruit pies. Yeah. I like my fruit pies. I like my fruit pies warmed with with ice cream, vanilla ice cream, and I like my pumpkin pie cold with whipped cream. Yeah, yeah. Let us know how you like your pie. Dad's right podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> or you can comment on the website, dadsright.fireside.fm. You can comment. Look forward to hearing from you, Mike. <laughs> under the, you can comment under the, under the uh, thingy episode <laughs> episode that's, that's I was, really how you, yeah. that's good give a give clear direction we almost to our, we almost got another email from grandma but she sent me a text because she forgot her email address so that means <laughs> i don't say it enough dad right dad's right podcast at gmail.com i like how i like how this is one of our longest episodes maybe breaking the record for our longest episode and we're spending the end just talking about mostly random nonsense that's parting thoughts and that's true that's true but on that note my roommate, over the past two weeks, every, each week, she's made a gourd soup. and uh, Not made of people was, named gourds. No, no, it's not. The first, she wanted to make butternut squash soup. So she went to the grocery store, and they didn't have butternut squashes. So she grabbed a different type of squash. And it was the, gra- it was the green one that is more the shape of a pumpkin than a butternut squash is. But it's green, different yeah. than a pumpkin. Uh, acorn squash. Sure. And she made... She used the butternut squash recipe, but she used acorn squash instead of butternut squash. Very different tasting squashes, but it made a fantastic soup. A truly, truly fantastic soup. It was brilliant. Then this week, she was like, I'm going to do it with butternut squash. And she went and she got a, a butternut squash and she made it. And it wasn't as good, to be honest. Huh. That was the consensus. I the butternut prefer squash butternut squash soup. when I'm yeah. eating squash. Yeah, when I'm eating squash too, I would prefer butternut squash. But in this soup, the acorn squash soup just had had more flavor, and, and that was sort of the overall consensus from everybody. And it was the exact the same recipe. Soup. Yep. There was no extra spices or anything thrown in. The exact same amount of salt nope. and pepper. Yep. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, listen, it's just like anything, right? She could have got a bad butternut. Maybe, but it didn't taste bad. It was still fine soup. Yeah. Okay. I'll always stick up for the butternut squash. We had butternut squash today. Actually, I was I was actually really bad. I was really short on veggies today, but we only had squash. That was the only veggie we had. 
Well, I mean, listen, nothing against the butternut squash, Dad. You know me. I clear out the leftovers butternut squash. Mm. For a meal, I just have a bowl of butternut squash with a crap ton of butter. Yeah. I love butternut squash. And they're already, really, all that's showing is you like butter because there's already a lot of butter in there to begin with. (laughs) It's called butternut squash for a reason. Yes. Otherwise, it'd be just nut squash. Which no one wants. It's painful. (laughs) All right. It's late. We're getting silly. Should we release our listeners? Yeah. Oh, they turned out ages ago. (laughs) It's just Mike and Grandma at this point. All right. Thanks for listening to our Thanksgiving episode. We will be back next week, whether you want us or not. Yeah. Let's talk about stuff that happens. All right. Talk at you next week. Thank you. Thank you.